Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. This episode takes place between the 19th and the 22nd of planting, with Stygius's character, Barnaby Hardcastle III. You would have gotten back on the 19th of planting, and uh, basically you guys would have gotten back late enough that everybody pretty much just went back to their sleeping locations and crashed for the night. Um, you back to the Mage's Guild uh, and uh, crashed for the night. You slept in just a little bit longer than you normally do. Uh, so when you go next door to see if your buddy Kleinenstern is there, he has already left for the day. Ah, uh, oh, drat. Yes. So what would you like to do on the 20th of planting? Uh, the 20th of planting in the calendar terms would be the uh, kind of a religious day, the day of prayer. So the temple district and everything along those lines is going to be super busy. Most business doesn't happen. Everybody kind of takes it as a day of reflection and prayer and and all of that kind of stuff. Well, you know, with considering all the uh, all of the uh, relics that I've come in contact with and seen all the different things, all the deities and whatnot, uh, old worship and whatnot, I feel like Barnaby actually probably not so much the ultra religious type so much. He's still rooted in, in the concept of science and history, but with that comes religion. So I feel like he's He's probably more willing to just kind of like wander through the temple district, not so much go to actual actually worship, so much as just kind of just be part of the culture. So you go to the temple district, and uh, it's super super busy. Picture like Friday at four thirty, you know, trying to go anywhere. It's just people everywhere of all stripe and variety, every race and and class, I guess, for lack of a better term that you can imagine. You have wizardy robed characters you have uh, you have paladins in their armor you have bare chested barbarians you have gnome merchants I mean there's absolutely everybody that you can imagine running to these different places of worship and uh, uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check stay in the hell away from those That was one hell of a perception check, but it took that many yeah. dice. <laughs> I'm seeing my dice bag. Yeah. Uh, Here's a 58 for perception. <laughs> a 16. A 16. Uh, yeah, you would hear some pan music or some flute music coming from uh, one of the neutral temples uh, dedicated to celebrations and festivals and, and music and that kind of thing. And you would probably hear some as well coming from some of the more uh, nature-y worshipping places, uh, elven deities and that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll go ahead and skirt past those. Okay. Uh, the Temple District... Don't want any more chance encounters with <laughs> Exactly. Uh, the Temple District, as it is set up, is basically a giant wheel uh, with the road making up the outside uh, edge of the wheel and then all of the different 
uh, temples kind of in the spokes, uh, meeting in some sort of strange space in the middle that nobody has actually seen. Uh, it's like it just kind of all merges into some extra-dimensional type space. Uh, oh, no, so, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like um, all these different temple faces are like the spokes of a wheel. They all kind of point in, but once you enter into these temples, they're all very, very large and open, and many have courtyards in the back, and there's clearly no courtyard um, space available because of how many temples are here. But uh, something hinky is going on there. But you're very easily able to kind of make your way around, skirting around people and ducking and dodging out of the way of very large individuals who barely notice you as in their hurry to get to temple. And, uh, yeah, you can go all the way around the circle if you like. Uh, it's split up into four kind of basic areas. Uh, the one that you enter in on, kind of the main road going in, would be the uh, neutral section where the neutral deities of commerce and civilization and law and that kind of thing are. Uh, and then as you go around the wheel, um, there's the good uh, temples, then the neutral temples opposite of the entrance that are primal, like nature and elements and all that, that kind of stuff. And then the evil temples um, opposite of the good temples. I don't feel like I need to go to the evil side. Um, I'll stick around on the side of the board neutral where I, I imagine there's probably these, so there's uh, deities of history uh, and whatnot. Yes, and yeah. civilization. Yeah, like, I think I might kind of, like, gravitate towards that neutral side. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able to find several that you recognize from the symbols out front, if not the signage. Uh, that tell you, you know, these are temples of knowledge, of learning. This is a temple dedicated to history. This is a temple dedicated to um, to kind of relics of the past, kind of a lost type deal. Um, I don't want to call it lost knowledge or forbidden knowledge, but kind of that kind of a deal. Uh, would any, would you enter any of those, or talk to any of the folks milling around those areas, or what would you do? Uh, I might actually go ahead and head into one of the. All right, history we, or, or uh, knowledge base temples. Okay, yeah. Um, you're very easily able to find um, in a knowledge um, temple. Uh, it's very, very scholarly. There isn't a huge open worship. It's more set around, as is very stereotypical, um, books and crystals that contain um, knowledge. There's uh, all sorts of memory-type spells and whatnot. Uh, I... I hate to use, uh, don't hate to use a reference, I love the idea, but uh, Harry Potter, where they have the memories in that pool, that birdbath looking pool type thing, you know, there's people drawing memories out of there, um, there's all sorts of different knowledge things happening. Most of the clergy would be in brown robes, kind of a tan color, uh, the color of parchment, basically, and uh, milling around, handing out scrolls and stuff to different people. There are some more heavily decorated ones. Uh, that are the higher-ranking temple members that are actually bestowing blessings onto people to remember things better, to pull memories out, to learn things. Um, so it's kind of a mix between a temple, a learning academy, and a library, I guess. You know, considering that I've worked here before for, for quite some time in the city with museums, I probably have been here before. Oh, yeah, very likely. Now that, now that I'm considering it, so I feel like I may have actually already had some uh, some contacts here, uh, or at the very least, you have met some of these people. Uh, yeah, that, would, that work here and worship here. Yeah, would you be a worshiper of an aspect of knowledge or a deity of knowledge in particular? Or I'd say 
if Barnaby was going to worship, I think that's what he would worship. It's the, the concept of understanding and uh, just just knowledge in general. Okay. Then uh, would you do any kind of prayer or anything like that while you were in here, or just kind of come here for meeting contacts? Well, first off, I'll take off the hat because <laughs> I want to be respectful. Yes. Um, and every time I take off the hat, I kind of go... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I think as I come in, uh, you know, we recently had a decent run on our uh, adventure with the giant slash not giant bird. And I'll go ahead and donate a little bit into the into the trust. Okay. How many? I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw four gold pieces. All right. Go ahead and uh, then roll me a religion check with advantage. Well, when you waste both your good rolls, wisdom <laughs> <laughs> uh, or religion? Oh, that's intelligence, isn't it? Yes. So nineteen plus four for twenty-three. Wow. Okay, and then you can add. Yeah, it I, got, I got a sixteen and a nineteen. I'm like, well, those both would have been great. Yeah, and for the four gold that you donated, uh, you can add an additional four onto that to make it twenty-seven. So go ahead then and roll me two d six or no, excuse me, uh, d six and a d eight. Would you like them totaled or separate? Separate. Uh, two effects are going to happen. Okay. Uh, the D6 was a 5. Okay. And the D8 was a 2. Okay. Uh, do you have the Keen Mind feat? Uh, no. Okay. For the next week, so 10 days, um, you benefit from the Keen Mind feat. And then uh, you also gain advantage on your next intelligence-based check. Um, right. So you always know which way is north. You always know how many number of hours are left in the next sunrise and sunset, and you can accurately recall anything you have seen or heard within the past month. But since this is a week, anything that you hear or see this week, you will be able to perfectly recall. So you're able to do that, and you gain those bonuses uh, from your prayer and your donation. What else would you like to do in this temple? We're going to break the day up into three basic parts, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. Um, and bigger events obviously will take up more. Well, I don't really have anything to contribute as far as information. So I might just uh, start off by checking out some tomes that relate most closely to what we what we uh, encountered on our adventure. Like actually the silver tree, like the silver leaf trees, and uh, whatever effect it was that uh, turned the whole city into Munchkin Land. Yeah, the transmutation spell. They would yeah. have, um, you ask one of the clergy where to find that kind of stuff. For the magic, they would direct you to a crystal that's sitting on a shelf and say that this contains basic information about transmutation magic in general. Um, okay. And it takes the form of a crystal. You just kind of channel your focus into it and knowledge kind of goes into your head. And then for Silverleaf, you do find a bunch of scrolls uh, talking about some of the rare plants and trees that are cultivated by the elves and some of the different effects that happen because of that. Uh, they do okay. say that if you want to learn more about it specifically, to head over to one of the elven nature type temples, um, and they might be able to tell you more specifically about it. And if you want to know more about the transmutation effect that happened, the Mage's Guild would be your best bet to um, okay. talk to them. Yes, basically. Uh, Barnaby's whole purpose in life is to add to the uh, collection of knowledge and, and understanding. So uh, if there's nothing that I don't feel that I could actually contribute from what we learned, I would probably go ahead and call. Okay, yeah. No, no need to go traipsing all over town. Just 
But if there was something that I had noticed that I felt that I could say, oh, hey, by the way, this is a thing, then I would be you know, glad to submit that information. Yeah. So other, other than that, I think uh, you know, I've, I've, I've shown up, I've performed my religious duties and uh, spent some time getting into a little more information about what happened. And other than that, though, I think I'd probably be fine to go ahead and set back out into the city. Okay, yep. It would be uh, afternoon time, early afternoon, sometime between 2 and 7 or 8. What would you like to do then for the rest of your afternoon? I think it's time for a sandwich. Okay, yeah. You are very easily able to um, either return to the Mages Guild and get free food, or hit up any number of taverns or market stalls or anything like that. I feel like checking out a market stall, wandering through and observing some of the folk. I imagine there's uh, like a whole, like just a, just a sidewinding little row of carts and, and small kiosks and whatnot with different meats and vegetables being burned and fried and boiled. Oh yeah, all over between the docks district, all the way up to the Merchants Guild and the temple area in the main part of town, there are just all sorts of different stalls and carts and stands and... Let's see here... <laughs> You'll like this one. Okay, so you um, get a very, like something... A spicy, roasted meat, you know, fresh game type smell uh, is wafting from this this one food stall. Uh, you see two half works uh, that are grilling over a fire, and it appears to be a, a very sizable chunk of venison that they are uh, cooking. And then uh, uh, another one seems to be over a large pot, kind of stirring some sort of mashed mixture. But it smells absolutely phenomenal from where you are standing. Hmm. I will approach and stand at a respectable distance. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you notice you can kind of read it, but it think of it as very like the stereotypical kids cartoon where like the E is backwards, you know, when <laughs> it's written. Um, you see the meat and mash is what it translates to roughly. And these two half works are just working away. Uh, you can see what appears to be almost like a mashed potatoes or some sort of root vegetables that they've mashed up in this large pot that they're stirring. And then um, this very large side of venison that they are cooking uh, over an open fire and, and seasoning with this very, sp- not spicy hot, but like very, very savory smelling um, uh, seasoning. And when a customer comes up to get something to eat, you see the one orc grabs a uh, plate of wood or, you know, what whatever, something very primitive like that, like a slab, and just slaps down some of this mash, hands it to the other orc who takes a, a blade and just cuts off a chunk of this venison and slaps it on top and then hands it out. I'm getting a very hero feel like this. Very much so, yes. Like, like, like the... the- uh, what do they call that? The spit, where it's vertical, and they just kind of like shave it off onto the plate. Yeah, that's basically what's happening awesome. here. All right, I'll go ahead and wait my turn and put my hand up and put, raise two fingers. I'll take two portions. Okay, uh, two, two gnome-sized portions. So <laughs> I guess maybe a human-sized portion. Okay, yeah, they. Uh, Which brings to mind a question. Yes. Since halflings and gnomes are little guys, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about cost of, like, you know, food and, and, and rations, right? <laughs> Do they actually have to eat a full ration, considering their size? Well, halflings, you have to have second breakfast and elevensies. and right. <laughs> So, uh, you, you... I don't think he knows about second breakfast. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You were in temple at that point. That was that little wafer and wine they gave you. 
Right. Um, that's blasphemous. Heresy. I detect heresy. Um, so you are, uh, you get up to the front of the line there, and the one half orc just holds up two fingers, and you notice from everybody else they're pulling out copper coins. Uh, so he holds up two fingers for two copper coins while dishing up this slop or this mash onto this this plate. And then uh, after you pay it or whatever, because you wanted two portions, so four copper pieces, they hand you the food, and it is fantastic. Really good, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to let a steak rest a little bit before you cut into it, but you can tell you don't even need to do that. This is just so flavorful and just, it is amazing. This is going to definitely make it on ye old Yelp review. So... (laughs) Which at this point is just a parchment outside <laughs> the business. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's a graffiti on the walls that says, This place is awesome. All right. So is it delicious enough that I can actually finish the whole thing, or is there any left? Oh, yeah. You could. Well, if you wanted to save a little bit, you could, but, you know, you're really not wanting to. It, it's very good. All right. Then I clean the plate and want to make note of this meat and mash. Yes. And, uh, come back at some point and enjoy their uh, services again. For sure. So you finish that up, and uh, you notice that it's starting to get a little bit busier. A lot of the morning services for the temple are kicking out, and the afternoon, early, or afternoon, early evening type services are going to be starting soon. So there's a lot more people on the street right now. Uh, Still not hardly anything as far as, like, shops are concerned. Uh, Most of what you see are the traveling merchants or whatever that'll set up a cart real quick, you know, as they're moving through town. Or, like, food vendors and that. But there isn't a whole lot of shop-type stuff going on. But lots of people milling around all over the place. Well, where would you like to go from here? It's still early afternoon. Getting lunch didn't take very long. I think I'll kind of lackadaisically uh, take the scenic route uh, back to the Mage's Guild to turn in for the evening. But I'll certainly take my time getting Yeah, you Like, with no real plan. I'm just going to kind of wander. Okay, go ahead and roll me 2d20. Uh, 11 and 6. Okay. Uh, the first part of your journey back, you're kind of cutting through some of the other stalls, going around uh, the Merchant's Guild, which is basically shut up for the day. Uh, there's a little bit of craft-type stuff going on, but not a whole lot. And so you don't really notice a whole lot of strange or weird happenings, uh, but you do notice that there is uh, quite a collection of, it looks like scrolls or books that uh, are in this this traveling merchant's wagon. He looks like he's getting ready to leave the stables. Um, you do That's the only thing of real note that you notice on the way. It's a very large collection of books and scrolls in this wagon getting ready to leave. He was had them out for sale? Yeah, it looks like he was just finishing up, loading up, uh, you know, putting getting the uh, horse hitched to the front of his wagon, and he's just getting ready to go. So he was, you know, making sure that all the books were were in the right spots on the side of the wagon. Uh, I, I like to think of it as a like a big cabinet. There's all sorts of drawers and doors on the side of this very bright and almost gaudy looking wagon. Uh, and so as he opened the side doors and stuff, you could see books of all variety there. Awesome. As I'm passing by, I'll nod to him, tip the hat. Was it a good day for you? It's always a good day, but I need to be getting on my way. We're heading over to... Let me see. We're heading over to the uh, Abundance Farms, and uh, I'm going to try and peddle some of these books here. A lot of the children are starting to learn. Writing is becoming a lot more prevalent, you know. Uh, so we're, we're trying to head along that route. 
but yeah, it's been a fairly decent day. It'll be a better day on the day of learning. That's why we need to get heading out now. I only have two days to get up to the farms and try and get as much sold as I can before then. So, day of learning is in two days. That's that's where he's heading to participate there at that time? Correct, yeah. He's uh, heading okay. out uh, late on the day of prayer. It takes about a day to get there, and then he can get you know set up and then be totally ready to go on the day of learning. So he's helping out the kids? Uh, yeah, he's heading up to the Abundance Farms. Uh, you saw a lot of the books. Um, they are, like, super graphically colorful and stuff. You know, there aren't a whole lot of crazy cartoon drawings on the front of these books, but you did notice that some of the books that he was pulling out uh, were not fancy, you know, novel-type tomes. They were smaller books and, you know, uh, hand-bound kind of things, not necessarily leather cover, kind of like what you would expect a peasant to own, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, uh, cheap the, versions the, the of very books. public school kind of thing? But, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Do we, what, do we have things planned for the next couple of days? Uh, everybody worked through the 22nd. Um, pretty much everybody did three days worth, and then they were saving uh, the two last days for a group something if we wanted to. I'm giving everybody five off days for every ten days that they're doing something. Interesting. Well, if I know that I've got some time to spend, I might even just say, you know, I'm a fan of knowledge and learning, and I think kids are great. Care for a partner for the next couple of days? Yeah, he would be more than happy to uh, accept your help. Uh, he says, I can tell you're not with the Merchants Guild, but I'd be more than happy to put in a good word with the Mages Guild as spreading learning is one of the things that the Mages are very, very big on. So I'd be more than happy to, to spread that good word about uh, helping me out. I can't pay a whole lot, but I have books aplenty. You know, I'm not even looking for money. Just looking to do, a, do something good for the folk. Well, that's a mighty kindness you're giving to the kids. I appreciate it. Uh, immensely. We'll be leaving here in about an hour. Uh, I hope to make it to Abundance Farms uh, by middle of the afternoon tomorrow. Well, I'll meet you back. All right. So what would you do in your last frantic hour before departing? Um, well, any local area like that's uh, nearby that I could, like, grab this, grab the essentials, uh, trail rations, make sure that I get the water skin filled. Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem. There would be public wells the all over the provisions. place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there would be public wells all over the place, and there's uh, right there at the Merchant's Guild. Even though they're not really doing business, you can still purchase some of the essentials that you need. So that's not a problem at all. Yeah, I think I'll pick up a spare kit, the, the you know, the, the standard traveling kit, and uh, move along. Okay, yeah. Uh, for uh, one gold piece, you have enough trail rations and uh, water and everything you might need uh, on your trip to make it there and back without a problem. Awesome. All right, so then you load up with him, and uh, I'll just use that same roll that you rolled earlier. The first portion of the trip is very uneventful. You were just kind of getting to know the guy, chatting a little bit. He was telling you about his vast collection of books that he has, uh, how they buy and trade and sell and and do all of that kind of stuff. And uh, he mentions that the farms aren't usually a very welcoming place to scholarly individuals. Uh, as most of those farmers up until recently were, you know, my back and brow sweat or what make this this work. I put all my effort into it. You know, I don't have time to sit and read and learn and all of that kind of stuff. So they were a little bit resistant to uh, allowing a whole lot of learning. But eventually with a lot of mages and sorcerers and druids and whatnot that kind of visited the area, they learned that having a little bit of knowledge and knowing how to do some of this kind of stuff can be very, very helpful. 
So right. now kids that show an aptitude to to learn, they help encourage. Uh, so you and Barnaby wouldn't even be able to fathom not having knowledge and information because that was the core of his childhood. Yeah, having the parents that he had. Yeah. So like almost dumbfounded at the fact that wait a minute, you mean people not only they they don't want to read, <laughs> yeah, they, they can't read, but they don't want to. They don't even want to try. So I think I think he's found a cause. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, because uh, you do notice that as you're traveling, um, the Abundance Villages take up a huge, like about a third of the entire Isle of Thalos is all farms. Uh, so right when you leave Port City, you start hitting farmlands, but these that are closest to the city aren't that big of a deal. And you notice that the further and further you get from Port, port City, the poorer and the more diverse the the people get as you're going so right as you're really close to the city you're seeing a lot of elves a lot of humans a lot of of the quote-unquote typical fantasy races uh that you would see but the further you go you uh out from the main city you start seeing beast folk running around you see some strange fae looking races but their their skin almost has a fluid quality to it you'll you'll be looking at a little boy uh with green eyes and blonde hair and you go to look the other way, and when you turn your head back, he has brown hair and blue eyes, and just, you know, strange little changes like that. You see uh, uh, what looks like some gnolls almost, but these are a little bit more civilized than gnolls that you have uh, seen in history. And and so some of the more exotic races live further from the city as you go. You keep going, and it gets to be nighttime, and he says the farm in, the farmland is pretty habitable here. You don't have to worry a whole lot about bandits or creatures or anything of the like. Uh, so we should be safe enough to rest, and my cart here does have the alarm spell, of course, wrought upon it, so if anybody gets too close without us knowing, uh, it'll let you know. So you should be fine to sleep, uh, but I uh, would be more than happy to chat with you a little bit, or you're welcome to borrow any of the books in the, in the cart here and read if you'd like before we turn in for the night. Definitely peek through and see if I can't find a topic that interests me that I haven't already learned about at the Academy. Okay, yeah. Go ahead and roll me a percentile die to see how good the book is. 27. 27. Uh, Most of the books there you have either read before or are very, very clearly children's books. Um, But you are able to find one very worn tome that describes um, the founding of Shard Academy. You can see that it's been, uh, had a rough life. Uh, all the books here are a little bit more on the worn side. Um, this one suffered some water damage and has some torn pages and uh, everything along those lines. But you are able to find information. Roll me a D8. Six. So you are able to find information on the first six levels of Shard Academy going down. Uh, you guy, you had very extensively explored levels one through four, but it was on that fourth level that you um, kind of broke away from that and retreated from the surface after finding that that stone. So you have a lot more information on uh, levels one through six now, uh, and you're able to commit it to memory because of your keen mind thing. Uh, next time you're in that area, go ahead and write this down, but next time you're in that area, you will have advantage to remember where you are and where key locations within that are. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming then once you're done reading the book, you just kind of call it an evening there for an early morning in the next morning? Yeah. All right. You slept great. Uh, nothing too major. The fresh air did you some good. 
So you wake up bright and early and you guys hit the road again. You know that you're going to be arriving around uh, noontime or so, midday. So you're not in a super big hurry. You guys stop along the way when uh, the horses need a little bit of a break and uh, continue on down the road. As you get into the first of the stops, uh, it's a big series of small, not even really villages. It's just three or four farms that kind of all put their homes kind of right in the corner of where their fields are. Uh, so that the homes are closer together uh, with the fields going out from there. So you reach this first area, and you see that there are, uh, of course, the adults or whatever, but you see that there are four children um, running around. One seems to be a uh, lizard folk type individual, a uh, shorter female that is very, very curious, big eyes. Uh, She's got kind of a bluish-green skin uh, scales uh, on her, and she is very, very polite, you would guess, uh, somewhere in her approximating human age, uh, in her teens or so. But she's very, very curious as to what's on the cart, having obviously seen this individual before. You see that there is another individual with uh, some green skin as well, but he's got almost antennae off the top of his head, and uh, ears are a little bit pointed, you can see that there's also a raccoon folk here. Um, so a raccoon-type beast folk. And uh, let's see, that would be a little boy as well. And then for the fourth child, you see a elf there. But unlike the very mystical, you know, magical elves that you're used to seeing, this elven girl has spectacles on, like the classical steampunk goggles. And uh, she doesn't have that air of mysticism about her as much, but you can tell that there is a very, very keen intelligence uh, behind her eyes. And all four of these children all immediately rush out to this wagon. Parents, you know, yelling, uh, drop the feed before you go running off, as you see all these little chickens and stuff start chasing the kids because the kids had the feed. They all immediately approach the wagon and start asking, Oh, what have you got this time? We haven't seen the last books. We finished already. I hope I hope we can find something better this time. These were so interesting and just on and on and on. Super excited kid noises being made. So I'm going to let out a, a hearty laugh. <laughs> to, and uh, just to express some joy to see that, you know, youth being excited to learn. Yes, they are very, very excited to learn. Um... Go ahead and roll me a d4 since there's four children. One. One, okay. You can tell, and I'll go ahead and go with the elf. Um, You can tell that the elf girl that's standing there is a little bit more quiet than the others, but you don't think it's from lack of enjoyment or excitement. But you can tell that she's very, very focused on really wanting to learn. So while the others are bouncing around, you know, asking, oh, I, there's this book about an adventure and he did this and that. Do you have it? And and just, you know, reciting kids tales that they would have heard. Um, you can tell that she is kind of waiting her turn patiently. And once they settle down a little bit, she asks, um, I was wondering, do you have any books on the gadgets and the tinkers and all that. I, I really, really want to someday I, I, I hope to build my own Warforged assistant. Uh, do, do you have anything uh, like that? And uh, the the cart owner would confirm that, uh, yes, we do have uh, a couple of books on the tinkers, but unfortunately uh, two of the books are promised uh, later on in the journey, So, but I would be more than happy to 
lend you uh, one of the books, but I'm afraid it might be a little bit too far above you, and it, it, I know it's a little bit above me for all of my book learning and whatnot. I'm not exactly the best with some of those concepts and whatnot. Maybe our uh, gnome friend over here would be able to help you understand any of it that I'm not able to to uh, help you out with myself. You know, I do happen to be uh, a rock gnome, and we do have uh, some background in tinkering. Okay. So, yeah, she... I'll, I'll chime in and, and say, as a matter of fact, I do have some interest and some experience in tinkering and building other things. What would you like to know? Oh, her eyes get big at this point, and she's like, oh, good! And she immediately grabs the book out of the uh, peddler's hand and uh, grabs your arm and starts pulling you towards where they have kind of a, I don't want to say like a giant-ass picnic table, but kind of like an outdoor seating, eating-type community area, um, and uh, drags you over that way. And she starts skimming through the book, reading at a remarkable pace. Um, you you know quite a few scholars and whatnot in the Mages Guild that only read that fast when they have some sort of magic to help them. And she points out uh, various things that she doesn't quite understand, like, oh, they say clockwork. Now, when you wind this up, is that going to make the whole thing work? How often do you have to wind it? What, what kind of gear ratio is involved with this? The gears are different sizes. The big ones turn slower, but the fast, but the small ones move faster, even though the big ones are just... It's a whole spew of knowledge um, and questions. And go ahead and roll me three intelligence checks. And if you have a um, proficiency, you can go ahead and add your proficiency to the checks. This would be kind of like a crafting type thing. Uh, 21, 22, and 9. <laughs> yes, the first two questions that she had for you, um, involving you know, the clockwork and the winding of things and, and how all of that um, works and everything, it's, a, you're very easily able to uh, explain it to her, because I believe rock gnomes can make clockwork, um, I don't remember what, but they can make something clockwork. Rock gnome. Clockwork toy. It's a clockwork uh, animal, monster, or person such as a frog, mouse, bird, dragon, or soldier. Okay. Place on the ground. The toy moves five feet across the ground on each of your turns in a random direction that makes noises appropriate to the creature it represents. Um, they can also make fire starters or music boxes. Awesome. That takes one hour, doesn't it? It's been one hour and ten GP worth of materials to construct a tiny clock device. Okay, uh, she has various random gears and parts that she's obviously salvaged from the throwouts of what some of the other farms have gotten rid of. <laughs> she's a hoarder? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But she brings all of these pieces together and it has you kind of help explain it to her and how to make all of this work. And um, you're able to not really build one because you're not going to spend a whole hour and ten gold worth doing it, but you're able to kind of put together a couple of different simple working clockwork deals to help explain it to her, and, and she picks up on it and almost memorizes it the second you speak it. Um, so she wa- she wanted to put together a workforce to, I'm assuming, to help on the farm? Uh, yeah, you would know uh, very high levels of the Tinker's Guild actually at when they get to the end of their lives actually transfer their consciousness into a Warforged-type body, and uh, that's kind of the, the very top-level um, Tinker's Guild-type deals. So you would know that it is very possible to do, but only by extremely advanced Tinkers. Hmm. I might actually like suggest a clockwork plow. Okay, yeah, she... she like for, for the farming and whatnot. Not not so much like a combine, but, you know, kind of like, you know, this way you can have the machine do the plowing instead of it physically exerting yourself. So just kind of like, you make hints towards that and see where she goes with it. 
Okay, yeah, she her eyes grow very, very big, and, and you see the wheels spinning in her head, and she's, oh, that has so many implications. I mean, we would be able to to very easily, even when the when it doesn't rain and the ground is hard and, and you can't till, that, that would be perfect. And, and you see she isn't really scribbling um, on anything because parchment and whatnot is still a little bit expensive. Um, but uh, you see that she is, like, in her head. You can see her, like, making mathematical like drawings almost you know in the air as she's thinking and processing all of this information um and she says oh i gotta go tell my parents that's a wonderful idea thank you very very much and she closes the book with a snap and takes off running towards one of the homes bye (laughs) all right at that point you would see that the peddler has um already given books to the other children and uh money has changed hands and uh, he is ready to set off to the next farm. Uh, they obviously the the families and whatnot bring you guys a lunch to eat on the road. Um, oh. It would be getting about lunchtime, you know, and partial payment for these books. They trade in their old books, you know, get new books, give you a couple of coins and some food, and you continue on down your. Awesome. Go ahead and roll me a d twenty. Thirteen. A black dragon explodes from the air. No. <laughs> um, you awesome. Are, yeah, exactly. Uh, you are able to get to the next town uh, without a whole lot of issue or problem. Uh, you do notice that the sky is kind of starting to darken a little bit with the clouds overhead. Um, so it is definitely not uh, going to be the best of weather. Uh, you are coming up to another small kind of four square uh, you know, for home kind of small settlement uh, with the farmers uh, and the peddler next to you says that ah, after this one we'll be at our, our main kind of village center so this will be the last stop for a little while. I hope we're able to quickly get on the road. I don't want to be caught up in any of this inclement weather. Agreed. Alright, so you get up to this first farm uh, this first small four groupings. Um, this time there are only two children. Uh, running around this area. Go ahead and roll me 2d20. 4 and 16. Alright. You see that the first individual that comes out of this house is a very, very short individual. uh, Shorter than yourself, in fact. And looks almost like a humanoid cat. Not like tabaxi or anything like that. It's more along the lines of a kind of like the size of a bobcat if a bobcat stood upright, mountain lion type thing stood upright. You see a cat run up to you and uh, very, very, very interested as well just like the last uh, group of children were. Uh, The other individual, you didn't see approach. It was really kind of freaky and almost knocked you off the wagon. (laughs) Knocked you off the wagon. Uh, But you... uh, I pull off the wagon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You jump in your seat as all of a sudden there is a very pale individual um very white, white skin, eyes have a slight red tint to it, hair is very black, um, standing on top of the wagon behind you. Also very, very excited and very, very childlike, but definitely really freaky. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my! Hello there, how are you? (laughs) Exactly. Um, You see even the peddler does a little bit of a jump, but he kind of expected it to happen. Uh, The children, once again, are extremely excited about getting these books. And uh, you do see, though, that there don't appear to be any parents around that you can see. Uh, He says that isn't, the peddler says that isn't too uncommon, but normally on book day, they would all 
you know, be here. He's a little bit concerned, but doesn't want to leave the kids on his own. He says you might want to go check some of the farms and see what's going on. I can do that. All right. You approach the uh, four houses fairly close to one another, and you hear there is some loud shouting coming from one of the homes. Can I get up to a window and perhaps take a peek inside? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Give me a perception check uh, as you approach the house. Uh, Fourteen. A fourteen. You're able to make out some of the words that are being said. Uh, You're hearing a lot about strange individuals visiting. Uh, Some sort of miracle-type spell that will make the land fertile and... You know, they won't have to worry about weeds and about drought and about anything like that. And the price, yes, we know the price is expensive, but but we have farms to run here. This could be our big break. Um, that kind of muttering. Kind of peek in the window and you see that there are uh, what looks like four or six families, probably uh, all adults in here, all kind of arguing with each other. There seems to be a clear division of two couples, I guess, uh, kind of standing off to the side that are scowling a little bit and saying that the price is just, we can't, that's not something we're willing to barter with. And you see the other four um, across that are trying to convince them, but this, the cost, it's, it's worth it. What if this could be our big break? It's been terrible. The the rains just haven't come like they did the last few years. You know, it's we, we need to do something and just all of this going on. As you're looking in, you do see that one of the uh, individuals notices you and uh, they kind of start a little bit and um, like you kind of look out the window past you and see the wagon in the background, and then go to the door to kind of come out. Would you kind of jump away from the window? Would you walk around to the front door and meet them? What would you do? I'll start off by offering a friendly wave. <laughs> and, uh, and step to the door and knock on it. Okay, yeah, right as you uh, step up kind of to the door, um, they open the door, and the one individual, let me see. Um, I actually never got the name. The, the peddler. <laughs> I know. I was waiting to uh, see how long it took you to it, ask. It occurs to me that we didn't actually do that. Just kind of like, hey, what do you do? Oh, I sell books. Uh, can I ride with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and call him. Let's see, because I never really picked a race either. Did I? Uh, he would be a human. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, and we're going to call him, uh, we're going to call him Corbus. Corbus. C-O-R-B-U-S. So Corbus uh, is obviously still talking with the children, and the individual that approaches you... <laughs> it's a satyr! No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This individual seems to have wings growing out of their back a little bit. Uh, not necessarily like angels 100%, but you're definitely getting that kind of that vibe about them. Uh, approaches okay. you and says, I'm really sorry you had to hear that argument. Uh, we try to uh, keep that to a minimum. We didn't realize what time it was getting to be. You guys did really arrive at an inclement time. Uh, the rain appears to be coming in the next couple hours. What, what can we help you with? We can give you some coins so you can get on your way. We don't want to keep you too long. And you see that the other adults kind of in the house or whatever don't really come out. They just kind of look past the door at you. Well, we were just stopping in to drop off the books and uh, speak with the kids. And uh, we noticed that there were no adults around, so we wanted to make sure that everything was okay. That's why I came up to the house to see if you guys were all right. Sounds like you've got a heck of a decision to make. Oh, uh, yeah. A strange individual 
came up to us. It's been a hard couple of years with the uh, droughts and whatnot. The rains just haven't been coming like normal. So there, we have a magic individual who says that they can help the land grow, uh, but the price isn't... Uh, not all of us are willing to pay what he asks. Uh, so it's no nothing nothing to concern yourself with. Uh, we, we appreciate the uh, interest, though, and you uh, uh, helping out the kids. Here, here, we'll go. We'll get a couple of coin for you and uh, return the books, and uh, uh, you can be on your way. And he's very kind of dismissive with that. He immediately turns his back and walks into the house, shutting the door as he re-enters. Do you just kind of wait for him to come back out? Yeah, while, while he's doing that, I'll kind of, like, run figures in my head, see if there's anything that... Because right off the bat, I smell a scheme. Okay. I mean, wh- wh- whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. Um, but Barnaby's pretty intelligent guy, and uh, you know he's been around and seen some things. So uh, can I make a? What would that probably be? What would I go on an Arcana check? I guess to see if there's any magical means to really like augment uh, agriculture. Yeah, go ahead. Eighteen plus six, twenty-four. Wow! Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you were at the Mages Guild, uh, you heard a bunch of druids getting together and talking, uh, and you know that there are a lot of different ways to make that happen. They are all very, very expensive coin-wise to do that, and most druids don't like to do it because it kind of upsets the natural balance of things. So unless it's like a life or death type situation or something supernaturally cursed the land, you know, to make it not grow. Uh, they don't like using that kind of magic. Uh, you would know that the Fae have a lot of that kind of stuff that they can do. Uh, you would know that several other demigods and deities would kind of have that same portfolio and that ability. Um, okay. But for mundane magic, you would almost have to go through a druid or some sort of green sorcerer or uh, something along those lines in order to make that happen. So with that information, it doesn't sound to me like they're being scammed by like a con man or you know, doing the snake oil kind of a thing. Like, oh, you need your crop? Oh, take this magic tonic and sprinkle it on a seed. And so they, if, it, if it doesn't sound like that's an issue, then I guess I don't feel like I would need to be involved. Like, if I felt like they were being taken advantage of, I would be very irritated by that. But uh, if it seems like it's a legitimate form of magic, whether, like, morally or from a deity standpoint, <laughs> that's not up to me to decide. That's for them to decide. Um I was only really concerned with their well-being. Yeah, you would so be... It sounds like that is definitely something for them to figure out on their own. Okay, yeah. Uh, you can tell that they're not exactly the wealthiest of bunches. Um, right. Being this far from the city, it's it's mostly newer farms um, and kind of the more removed from the cities. Uh, so you do know that you know those kind of snake oils and whatnot are a frequent problem. Um, you know, true names being given out and everything else. Uh, you, you do know that there are lots of that kind of trickster stuff out there, but without more information, you're not sure if it's legit or not. But you do know that there is an actual means of making that happen. Cause I was going to like, wonder, like, why would a high-level druid be like coming all the way out on the boonies to do something like this? Yeah. Because their energy is kind of closer to... Well, I mean, like, you know, druids, they, they focus on the land in general. I guess they don't it wouldn't want to be near civilization. Yeah. You would know that, of course, the control weather spell um, could help bring rains and all of that kind of stuff to the area. But anyway, you are able to... Uh, you do know that it is a druid spell. Um, it is a uh, complicated enough spell that not every druid on the planet would be able to cast it. Wondering, 
if this is I mean still in the back of my mind like is this someone trying to take advantage of them because like you had said like uh, most druids don't want to like interfere with the natural order of things unless it's absolutely necessary and if it sounds like someone's trying to utilize that information or uh, that application for profit you'd think that if they truly were concerned with the people they would they wouldn't be charging as much yeah go ahead and roll me an insight check um, based upon their conversation earlier uh, 12 plus 4 16. 16. Uh, you would be able to tell that there's definitely some major tension there, um, and you can obviously tell that they aren't rich individuals by any means, but you, they haven't named a gold price. They haven't named a specific why, what they have to pay, you know, whereas most people would say, oh yeah, it's super expensive. You know, and, uh, you know nobody wants to pay that much for it, but they say um, nobody's willing to pay the price for it. So their verbiage was a little bit weird that they used. Mm. So what is, quote, the thub price? At that point, um, you while you're pondering, he would come back out with a small coin purse. Um, he counts out three gold pieces on it, hands you a stack of four books, and uh, says, oh, well, we'll be more than happy to take another four books of whatever variety uh, you want. Hopefully, kids' stories, something to entertain them, keep them out of the fields and, and whatnot for a while would be more than satisfactory take a glance back to the cart. Are the kids still just kind of jumping from book to book over there? Uh, yeah, you would see that um, they're being read to at the moment kind of, you know, just to keep them entertained and not thinking about other things and, and um, yeah, so they'd be occupied. Alright, so um, <clears throat> well, thanks very much. I'll make sure that uh, Corvus gets the, the coins, the books. Um, so just out of curiosity, I, I know this is... <clears throat> something that you want to keep close to the vest. This is, you know, your business totally, but I'm just curious, what cost for this uh, spell to make your, your lands more fertile? Oh, uh, well, it, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, I I don't know if I really want to discuss it. Uh, do you want to make a persuasion check or anything like that? Um, <laughs> my charisma is actually an eight, so <laughs> I don't know how I feel about a persuasion check, um, but I think really that's about my only option. I I rolled a, an overall ten for the check. Okay. So I mean, terrible, but probably not the most persuasive. Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know. It's it's we're not paying with money. Uh, there's just a small service that the uh, caster uh, would like us to perform for him. Nothing nothing to concern yourself with, so don't don't worry about it. Uh, just a small service, but nobody here really wants to to take it on. Is this a fay by chance? Go ahead and you roll me an insight check when you say, is this a fay? Ah, 19 plus... He, uh, where's insight? <laughs> plus 4, 23. He winces very visibly. And he's like, uh, nah, no, uh, it's just a we, we tried to stay away from the Fae, their dealings and tricks and, and whatnot. Uh, he just a passing, uh, uh, and he, he actually stammers like that. He's like, ah, just a passing uh, uh, a druid uh, individual. You know, I recently had an encounter with the Fae. Learned some things. I know your farm is important to you, but be very, very careful in how you proceed. Oh, we, we are. That's part of the reason why... Uh, nothing has uh, uh, happened yet, but we're, don't worry. We're very intelligent. It won't be a problem. There's six of us here. We could we can figure out a way to make this deal work, and uh, 
No, no nothing will happen. We appreciate well, your concern, though. Very much hope so. I'd hate to see your community take a loss for a potential game. Yes, well, it, it no matter what, uh, it'll only be it'll only affect us for about a week. Um, the, it'll only take one of us about a week to complete the task. So it's it's nothing to worry about. Thank you, though, uh, uh, for uh, uh, your concern. Only take a week. It, it just needs us for it needs one of us for a week. That, that, that's. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's a nothing to concern yourself with. You aren't one of the farmers here, so uh, don't trouble yourself with it. <laughs> well, all right, if you say so. Okay. Do you go back to the cart then? Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to the cart. All right. You head back to the cart and uh, get the kids the books. Uh, give the coin to Corbus, and then do you head on your way, or do you want to uh, try and eavesdrop again or do anything like that? I'll, I'll be eavesdropping as much as possible. Okay, so do you walk back up to the house? My, my curious nature. All right, do you walk back up to the house with the books, or do you, you know, just kind of watch from the road as you go by? Yeah, we'll walk back up. All right, you Escort walk the kids back to the house. All right, go ahead and make me a perception check as you approach the house again. A sixteen. A sixteen. You're able to see um, as you hand the books to the gentleman. Uh, he sets them inside on a little side table right by the door, and you see a strange figurine sitting on the side table thing there, and it is an obsidian-looking dog, and you see as he sets the books down, he, like, jerks his hand back away from the figurine, uh, almost as a reflex, uh, when he notices that he's really close to touching it. Hmm. Does this figurine resemble anything like, uh, the penguin figurine? Uh, yes, but it's not anywhere near Chibi. It is, like, a <laughs> vicious-looking large dog. Um, kind of like a wolfhound or... Uh, very large hunting type dog. It is you. It, if it wasn't about the size of the palm of your hand, um, you would think that it looked like real. It's fantastically detailed, made of obsidian. Um, am I still outside then? Yeah, you would be outside. He wouldn't let you get anywhere near the door. He would take the books, set them in the side table, and immediately step back out. Is he currently observing me, or is he just kind of like focused on putting the books inside? Uh, if you want to do something while he's putting the books in, you can, but he turns his back really only long enough for him to set the books down. Would I be able to cast Detect Magic in that time? Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and give it to you. That's fine. So you detect, yeah, yeah you detect, uh, or cast Detect Magic, and it lights up with Transmutation Magic. <laughs> and he jumps a little bit when he sees it and glares at you. Who did the farmer does? Yes. Oh. I'll just look at him and go, what? <laughs> and he says, well, thank you very much for these books. We must be on our way then. And he very forcibly slams the door in your face unless you try to stop him. Oh, I will. Go ahead. I'll put the boot in the door and clunk. One more thing. So where did you acquire that? That's a fantastic... I'll have to make a bluff check. I'm going to fail so bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's an eight minus one. <laughs> so a seven deception. That's a fantastic piece. Uh, I've been looking for something similar to it, not quite that frightening. Where did you acquire that? He glares at you and he says, This is just what we need to use to seal the deal. Uh, don't worry about it. And he uh, stares very pointedly at your boot in the door. Um, <laughs> you know, part of me is just kind of like, it's not my job to just fix everyone's problems, but at <laughs> the same time... These are good people, and I, f I feel at this point like they are taking advantage of somehow. Um, but again, you know, free will and all that. Uh, just, okay, you know, 
I, I hate to intrude. I'm, I'm just going to... What do they want you to do with that thing? He glares very, very pointedly at your boot, and he says, If I tell you, will you promise to leave? Yes. <sighs> One of us must touch this figurine, and when we do, we will be transformed into a hound and teleported to the wild hunt. After a week, we will be returned if we survive in one piece, and this entire area will be blessed with fertile ground, rains that we need, and all of our crops will be of great value and quality. So it's practically a sacrifice. They said most people return. And really, if it's just one of us, there are six families here. I mean, it's just one person. And you see when he says that, he kind of rubs the back of his neck, you know, like he doesn't really like what he's saying. Uh, you see the four heads, or the eight heads, the or seven, because he's here. So you see the other ones that agreed with him kind of nod to each other, and you see the two that disagreed scowling. Well, it's definitely not something that I can, that I can fix. So I'll just do my best to offer... Uh, I will try to recite something from a book that I may have read in the past, uh, summarizing that... Uh, you know, the lives of you and your family more important than the possibility of making a few extra coins and that uh, dealings with these individuals probably never work out as well as you expect. And in the back of my mind, like, I'm almost telling myself that now that I know a little <laughs> bit about them. And just kind of like, eh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I would definitely recommend that don't take the deal you know fine we have books about I mean obviously there are books about you know, ways to make things better you know take advantage of the, of the knowledge rather than uh, the chance at a, at a one shot deal for success okay yeah he scowls at you as do the other four inside the two that disagreed you know nod very emphatically you know you're pretty sure that they've recited 99% of this to the group before um, mm-hmm. without much luck yeah, but you do see that uh, the the other dis- the ones that dis- uh, the ones that wanted to take the deal, you know, do look a little bit more introspective. And he says, "Well, thank you for your opinions. We will settle matters ourselves. Good day." And he kind of kicks I'll your f- my foot from the door. Yeah, I was going to say he goes to kind of kick your foot out of the door. All right. So at that point, um, you guys hop back into the wagon and head back along. Yep. All right. No, yep. No, no, uh, Hand, hand back the books to Corvus and uh, drop the coins in his hand. Okay, yep, you're very easily able to do that. You get going, and he does uh, push the horse a little bit harder than he probably should, but, you know, the last thing you want in a giant wagon full of books is to be caught out in the rain. So right. um, you're able to get to the next uh, farm, and this is more of a uh, small settlement. Uh, this would be probably 10 or 12 different farmers that are all kind of sharecropping a massive chunk of land instead of, you know, four individual farms um, with four individual families. Um, this is a much more sharecroppy type thing. And so there are a lot more children there, but you get in right as evening is beginning to set, and you very quickly uh, find an inn, get the wagon under the stables right as it begins raining, and you are able to uh, get some hot, decent food in your stomach and... Um, spend the rest of the day in the tavern or would you want to kind of look around the town a little bit uh, the rain would definitely be a welcome thing for those farmers but unfortunately it's it's not doing them a ton of good nobody's really out and about it's mostly just you know the occasional guard will walk by um, 
And the guard, by that I mean the biggest, brawniest individual carrying a pitchfork. Um, right. Uh, other than that, there isn't a whole lot of anything going on. This would be probably the equivalent of, you know, nine or ten at night on a on a you know weekday. You know, not a whole lot going on. Well, if I don't want to be just like traipsing around this community as a stranger, <laughs> yeah. making them uncomfortable. So, uh, what options do we have as far as uh, bedding down? Uh, it would, you can either bed in, with the cart in the stables and that kind of stuff, or you can get um, a normal room. Uh, rooms would be five silver pieces a night, uh, and that includes your meals, and that's basically about it. I think I'll do that. Okay. Uh, do you uh, subtract five silver. All right. Do you take any other books up with you, or are you going to kind of talk with people in the common room before calling it a night, or what? All, or just grab a bowl of... Actually, yeah. I think I might spend some time with the, the locals. Okay, yeah. You go down to the common room, and there isn't much for people here. This inn is more like a giant-ass farmhouse that uh, they just kind of converted a large kitchen and a couple of rooms into an inn. Because there's only, like I said, there's only like 10 or 12 homes here. But you're able to um, talk with some of the locals. They come in for a drink and, and food because they know that visitors are in town. And you meet a good number of the farmers there. They all seem like very upstanding folk. You do see a few children underfoot, but at this hour at night, uh, the only ones that you see are uh, the races that are a little bit more nocturnal in nature. Uh, so you see some of the feline beast folk and that kind of stuff, those that would have dark vision and whatnot. But other than that, most of the people that are in here are just the men of the farms, you know, sizing up who's in town and everything. So you would learn that this area is also hit with drought a little bit. They're not nearly as bad because they sharecrop everything. So it's, you know, splits up the work. Uh, you would know that they do have a couple of spellcasters amongst the group, not anything major, but can, you know, do a little bit of magic, uh, which helps out that kind of thing. Okay. Any specific questions you'd ask them or anything, or just kind of uh, bullshit? No, just just very general conversation. Okay. You know, like, like, you know, what are, what are the basic crops you guys do, you know? Do you do well for yourselves here, you know? What could you use to make things better for everybody? Okay, yeah, you would know that since they're kind of a sharecropping kind of a thing, um, and they basically grow everything that they need to survive here, plus enough to sell, you would know that they have, you know, the whole variety of veggies and uh, uh, fruits that they're able to grow in this area, plus most of their exporty type stuff is grain. Uh, so wheat and that kind of ilk would be what they grow mostly in this area. Uh, other than that, the only things they really need are, you know, the kids learning to... Uh, you know, run the farms and use magic and everything is, is always helpful. Uh, we can always use some new techniques from the cities. Uh, we do the best we can here, but none of us have really ever been to Port City, except for, you know, when they first arrived on the island. You know, that's kind of basically it. Okay. All right. You then call it a night and wait for the morning to get on with business and then hit the road again? Yep. All right. You get up first thing in the morning, bright and early. All the kids come running into this kind of makeshift inn-type tavern, and uh, money has changed hands, books are exchanged, um, a, at least a quarter of the books in the cart are completely changed out and swapped. You see, of the 12 homes and families that live here, there are seven children uh, in this area, and they are all of fairly strange races uh, that you would occasionally see in Port City, but only few in number. Uh, this far away from civilization, it's a little bit more 
I don't want to say wild in nature, but they are much more along the races of beast folk and some of the more um, nomadic elves and the wilder of races, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, Other than that, uh, the money changes hands. It goes very uneventful. The farmers and whatnot send you back with food and ale. And uh, that's basically the extent of this here, unless you want to look around the town and talk to anybody. Um, but before we leave, I might make a make a, a lap around town, peek oh. in. Okay, yeah, you're able to make a quick lap around town. Basically, everything is centered around this one building. It's kind of the inn, tavern, <laughs> general store, trading post, you know, everything kind of in this really big old farmhouse. But other than that, mostly just farms. Uh, you see they kind of divide it up a little bit. Uh, what grows where, so they all kind of share the food there. So one may have a bunch of root crops there. You see one has kind of along the edge of the city or edge of the kind of town village has an orchard in there. Uh, other than that, it looks just like a really country, rural, farm-type area. Nothing really else of note. You can tell the droughts hurt them a little bit. The kids are maybe a little bit skinnier than they should be, but, you know, nothing nothing that really sets off your alarms. Fair enough. All right. Anything else you'd like to do before hopping on the cart and heading back? I don't think so. All right. You hop back on the cart and start heading back. Once again, the weather is not exactly cooperating. Uh, There are some afternoon showers, and so he doesn't suggest that they stop anywhere on the way back. He pushes the horse pretty hard getting up there, but you can tell he's got a little bit of magic himself, as even though the horse is definitely tiring, um, he stops for five or six minutes and um, does something with the horse's food and water, uh, and the horse recovers a lot quicker than you would normally expect. One of those stops was just outside where the that strange group of families were uh, with the two kids. And uh, he s- doesn't want to stop there. He says, we don't have time to, to get involved with whatever they're involved in. After you, I'm sure you would have shared the story with him. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, we have something to talk about on the trip. Exactly. You do notice uh, as you pass that way... Uh, there does appear to be a very large carcass of a uh, cow or a oxen or some you know some large beast of burden uh, that would be kept for meat or milk or something along those lines. Uh, you see a corpse of one of those sitting along the side of the road that looks like it was absolutely savaged by some sort of very large toothed creature. Um, and it wasn't there when we went by the first time. No, it was not. Oh, um, <coughs> Corvus. <laughs> I know we wanted to keep moving, but uh, that appears to be something we might want to look into. Yeah, he's he's very nervous. He says he'll keep the horse and cart tied here if you want to, you know, run in real quick. But he doesn't want to get any closer if there's something like that running around. He wants to be on the road so that if it does charge them, they can get going now. Um, and what what time is it? Like, what were we looking at for daylight? Right now, it would be kind of early afternoon. He would have been pushing pretty hard. You'll get back to Port City tonight, you know, you know, midnight or slightly thereafter, roughly. Okay. I would like to cast False Life on myself, just in the event that something bad happens. Okay. All right, so False Life is a D4 plus 4 for the duration. So, 4 plus... D4 plus... So, 7. Okay, um... Seven points of temporary health? Yep. Okay. And so just in the off chance that this creature is still floating around. Um, all right, so I'll make my way to the body, okay. and I'll do my best to search for any tracks that lead away from it. 
Yeah, uh, with the rain, it's very difficult to tell. So go ahead and give me a survival check. Survival. Or perception. I'll allow perception as well. Okay. Um, 15, 21. Okay, and would you have used perception or survival? Uh, Well, for that, I would have had to use perception. So you see that the creature, uh, this large ox or cow or whatever, uh, clearly was drugged a ways before it was brought here. Um, you can tell where it was drugged from off towards where the farmhouses were. Uh, you can see a field where there are several other uh, large beasts like that out there. This one was definitely drugged from that direction. and It was not a short, you know, drag. It's probably a good 120, 200 feet from the kind of the furthest point of the field where these animals are kept. Uh, and it appears to have been drugged here by the neck. You don't see any claw marks or anything. You just see, you know, a bite wound right on the back of the neck where, you know, probably would have broke the spine and then drug over away and uh, uh, teeth and, and marks like that where it was eating away at the soft tissue, the belly of the beast kind of a deal. That was the <laughs> Can I gauge how big, uh, based on the teeth marks, how big this creature might be? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give it to you. Judging by um, how much, how strong this creature would have been and everything else, it would right, have been yeah, a little too. bit shorter, a little bit smaller than a standard horse, but not a whole lot. Okay, but very powerful. Oh, gosh, yes. And you can see, um, you can't see necessarily tracks leading anywhere particular, as this dirt road is very hard packed. But um, you do notice that kind of on the edge where the ground was soft a little bit, the paw prints that are there are definitely canine in nature uh, and much, much bigger than your footprint is. Even as a gnome, uh, it's probably bigger than a human footprint. Oh, God. I'm a little concerned. Um, but I'm, I'm actually very concerned for the people, uh, hoping that the same thing hasn't happened to them. So I will start moving at a pretty hefty pace towards the farmhouses. All right, you take off running that direction, and you see the occasional, well, not the occasional, because there's only four homes, but you see the a face in one of the windows, uh, and immediately the shutters, which would have, well, I guess the shutters would have been closed if it was raining. So you see kind of peeking out through um, partially closed shutters, uh, an eye or something, you know, somebody looking out and then slamming those home, you know, and locking them from the inside when they see you approaching. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone touched the figurine, didn't they? You want to go up to the home where the figurine was and knock on the door? Yep, yep. I'm just, that's, I'm just, I won't even bother knocking. I'll just, just say it loudly. Someone touched the figurine, didn't they? Uh, you hear kind of a choked cry on the other side of the door, and um, a large, or a deep voice uh, shout, not the same voice for the guy you talked to earlier, but a different voice uh, shout, I suggest you get out of here. We don't need your type here. We've solved our problems ourselves. Just look at the fields. And if you uh, kind of look off to the side, you would see that there are already tiny green sprouts where just yesterday there wasn't anything. Hmm. I see that you've received some gains, but at what cost? Well, he'll be back in just a few days anyway. It won't be that big of a deal. He'll come back. They they said that he'd come back. I know he will. But just get out of here. Well, <laughs> obviously they're not interested in, in uh, dealing with whatever's tearing things up. And I'm not quite for sure that I would convince them otherwise. It sounded to me when they first told me that he would uh, be almost like he would be teleported into the hunt. It seems like the hunt is here now. 
So... Go ahead and roll me a history check to see if you uh, remember some Fey-type lore. 23. 23. You would know that a portal to the Feywild can be opened wherever the branches of an oak, ash, and thorn vine all kind of wrap together. Where a vine, where a thorny-type vine um, wraps around uh, the trunk of an ash or an oak, and uh, then the branches are connected together. That kind of forms an archway, a portal. Uh, you know that all three of those are very prevalent across the entirety of Isle of Thalos, um, as well as the Tangle. And you would know that in the Tangle, that is a very, very prominent problem. And there's actually entire orders of rangers and whatnot that are strictly, you know, sent out to control this. I see. Uh, during our time passing through here, did I see any place where that looked like it would it would be a thing? Uh, in this area, go ahead and uh, roll me a... Uh, let's go odds oak and evens ash. So roll one of those. Uh, even. Evens. So you would see that there are quite a few ash trees um, that line this whole area. Um, kind of this pathway and walkway in between the farms. The farms are fairly flat and cleared, but uh, there are ash trees that uh, go all over the place here. So, you know, an odd oak tree and whatnot, you know... A, blackberry bush or something like that could climb up or a raspberry or whatever could could be the vine that made that happen you're not 100% sure without going into the woods themselves <laughs> I don't know that I want to go walking into the woods by myself um. <clears throat> talking with Fimdir a little bit on your first mission um, I'm imagining you guys probably would have tried to, tried to you know chit chat you know pass some of the time while you were traveling back and forth and whatnot. so you would have probably heard a little bit from Fimdir about uh, the portals in the uh, Tangle and how there are quite a few individuals that, you know, just simply work on controlling those and policing those type of locations. So you would know enough that this is a fairly, I don't want to say common occurrence, but there are authority figures that do handle these kind of situations when they do occur. Oh, really? What would it take for me to get in contact uh, you would know that it would be mostly within, like, the Mages Guild that would handle a lot of that kind of portal stuff from a metaphysical point of view, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, possibly the Fighters Guild to throw muscle at it, you know, to help close the portal, that kind of thing. You would also know that probably the Shadows Guild would have a lot of use for those as well, but not necessarily for the best of purposes. Okay. Well, since the local folk don't want to don't want me around. I mean, even if I tried to do anything, that they wouldn't really respond well to it. So, I think I'm just going to go ahead and head back to the cart, and we'll report this information to the Mage's Guild. Okay. See yep. if they want to, if they would like to intervene based on the uh, what, what it seems like is happening. Okay, yeah, not a problem. You uh, hop back onto the cart then, and uh, with great haste, you guys are able to return to the Mage's Guild. Uh, he does give you a seal, a uh, scroll or whatever, from the Merchant's Guild to give to the Mage's Guild when you arrive, and that will help earn your favor with the within the guild. Um, awesome. So then, would you immediately try to find somebody, or would you, you know, it's midnight, you've had a long day in the rain, would you rest up and then talk to them in the morning? Um... I feel like if there's someone available, like, I don't know if they have, like, a, an, an overnight staff, I would bring it to them right away. But if it would mean that I would have to run through and shout in the halls and wake someone up, no. 
Yeah, so you, if someone is available, then I, I would take it in and drop it off to them right away. Oh yeah, you would know kind of the voice of the tower, the spirit that not spirit, the ethereal that kind of bonds with the tower itself is always kind of floating around. I guess for lack of a better term, the lobby type area. Um, yes, exactly. Um, but more like self-defense system for a sentient magical bastion of, you know, wizards. Um, but uh, kind of, you know, receptionist of sorts. Uh, you would see this ethereal ethereal um, floating around and very easily able to get their attention, report to them what happened, and uh, with just a quick glow of magic, um, you can tell the message has been sent off and uh, the right people have been informed. Would you also turn in your little seal of good behavior? Yeah. Alright, you turn that in, um, and you are able to write this down on your character sheet. You earn two favor points within the guild. One for reporting this portal, and one for helping out the merchant. Okay, so I currently have two? Yep, you currently have two favor points, and then you can turn those in to earn renown within the guild and rank up later on, or you can spend those to have cool effects happen. Uh, It's all on the guild info sheet. Um, yeah, I've actually got that printed out, and I'm looking at it right now. Yes. Something like spend one favor point to recover a number of spell slots equal to your proficiency modifier, turn a 19 into a crit, gain advantage on a spell attack roll. Nice. Yes. All right. <clears throat> I'll just hold on to those for the time being. Okay. We will go ahead then, and uh, is there anything else you would like to do before calling it a night and uh, ending? I'll make a hot cup of cocoa and go to bed. All right, you make that. Oh, it was it was a nice little adventure to get out of get out of town and just kind of like see some of the local local folk. Exactly. I feel like I could be of service to the the people. Exactly. You uh, walk by kind of where the cafeteria food type area is. You get a hot cup of cocoa. Um, though I'm sure you toy in your mind a little bit with adding some peppermint schnapps to it, um, but you're. Very easily able to get that steaming cup of uh, hot cocoa and head to your room. What do you say we make this cocoa gnomish? (laughs) Okay. Hot pocket. Any chance that, uh, oh, no, never mind, that's fine. (laughs) Okay. Oh, heck, sorry. You'll you'll have to listen to um, Micah's hot pocket situation uh, with that cafeteria. I was wondering what that was. I just saw it pop up. Yeah, there, there's some funny meta stuff there. Um, but, yeah, so you are very easily... It, it's still there, by the way, Micah. Um, still rotting. Uh, the hazmat unit has not yet arrived. Um, so you are able then to turn in for the night, and we will go ahead and end from there. So when we pick up next time, uh, the next day or whatever would be the 23rd... Or no, yes, 23rd of planting, which is the day of working. So we will go ahead and end from there. So thank you, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Go ahead and say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Chaos Plan. We really hope that you enjoyed it, and since we are doing group games now, we are going to very quickly start getting episodes out there on a regular basis. If you want to take part, please visit Patreon, donate the $2 a month, and you can get in on this guaranteed. We already have the next batch of players getting ready to go for the next game, and we're already looking at the different DMs that are going to be taking part. Both Braden and Mike have committed to doing games so far. So if you want to get in on that action, please, please just join our Patreon. Thank you, and we hope to see you next game.